Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, I'm Kelly, and joining us on the show this week is legendary artist, percussionist, and performer Sheila E. talking about her career and what it was like to be a part of Prince's Inner Circle. We also welcome the program director of Toronto's Virgin Radio, Karen Steele, chatting about her journey in broadcasting and how to stay on top of the game because things in media change and evolve so quickly these days. As always, we've got some new music for you to check out this week, Normani, Blake Shelton, and Miley Cyrus. Sheila E. is an iconic percussionist, performer, singer-songwriter, and author who has brought so much joy to so many with her phenomenal talents, and we are very excited to welcome her to the program. Sheila, thank you for spending time with us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. What is it about the drums that kind of speaks to your soul and has continued to do so after decades of being in the music industry? I started playing because of my dad playing, and he still plays pl- percussion congas and timbales and bongos and hand percussion. And I guess growing up listening to him and watching him practice every single day to LPs, to music, to jam sessions, having his band play in the house. Um, I just, I've been around it my whole life, so I, I, I think I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> and was it a natural progression for you, Sheila, to go from, uh, you know, being a percussionist to then also adding to your repertoire being a vocalist? Um, in a sense, yeah, uh, we have a lot of uh, parties growing up and uh, family gatherings, and because our family is so big, and I mean literally like oh, it's about a thousand of us, we just stopped counting. Um, and the big parties that we would have, it was me and my two brothers and sometimes my mom. We were always the ones to go ahead and sing and pretend like we're singing James Brown or The Temptations or Stevie Wonder, anyone on Motown. And we would just emulate people, you know, the Jackson 5. Uh, uh, anyone that we could think of, we would just pretend like we're singing and dancing and we were part of the entertainment for all the parties. Can you take us back to when you were working on The Glamorous Life? Because obviously that is such a huge you know, song and album for everyone that's a big fan of yours to know about. I'm just wondering, when you were working on that, did you have a sense that it was going to be something special? Not at all. No, um, it was almost the last song to be put on the record um, because uh, once we had it, well, it wasn't complete. I knew that it was a lot of percussion I wanted to put on it. Um, I couldn't find a melody for the song, and I couldn't think of anything. And if I, back then, if I left a song undone for too long as an instrumental, then it's just going to be an instrumental. So that's what it was to me. Um, it was just a dance track with no no uh, singing on it. And we finally put it on the record once it was done. And then Warner Brothers wanted us to not have that as the first single. I fought for it to be the first single. They wanted Bella say Mark. And I explained to them, I'm a woman who is up and coming artist who is playing percussion and want to feature percussion because no one that I could that I knew of back then was leading their own band playing timbales. And they're like, what are timbales? So we did a showcase for Warner Brothers. We played Glamorous Life, and they got it. And they're like, okay, Glamorous Life will be the first single. Otherwise, it would have been Bella St. Mark. When you first met Prince, what was that experience like? Did you kind of know that you might have some sort of longstanding relationship with him? Because it just seems like when people say the word Prince, then your name comes shortly after. <laughs> Um, no, um, he, he, when I first met him, he was in the Bay Area and he wanted to record his first record in the studio where, um, Carlos Santana and Sly Stone had been recording and he loved the Bay Area musicians. He was influenced by all of them. And, um, my dad was in Santana at the time and they were recording and said that there was some young kid in the studio writing and producing and playing his own stuff. Um, we met soon after 
and he was playing one of his shows there in the Bay Area, and um, no one really knew who he was. And I went to introduce myself, and he said, I already know who you are. I've been following your career. I'm a fan. I love you, blah, 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 and all this stuff. We exchanged numbers, and we just kind of hung out. But no one at the time knew who Prince was and thought he was really strange and weird. So <laughs> um, I thought it was cool. I mean, I didn't see anything. I mean, I've been around musicians my whole life, so... To me, everyone's a little, we're all a little bit quirky. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it was the norm for me. I mean, we dressed in platform shoes and bell bottoms. I had an afro, I had beads and, and jewelry. And I mean, that's the Bay Area. That's what we did. So Now, it's already been three years since his passing. And I'm just wondering, as someone who collaborated with him so closely and who is, you know, such a good friend of his, is it still surreal to you, uh, Sheila? Because it's surreal to us as fans that he's no longer with us. Of course. Yeah, every day. Every day it's it's something, a reminder that, you know, we lose people that we love too soon sometimes, and it's it's hard. Now, you've played with so many amazing musicians apart from Prince. I'm just wondering, can you name, like, your top three of all time that you've just loved jamming with? My dad, my dad, and my dad. Oh, good. Okay. That's yeah. a fair answer. <laughs> and uh, forgive me for asking this, but I, I don't know that you've ever been to Montreal before. And, and if so, uh, what do you love about our city, or what are you looking forward to when you, you come here very soon in the next couple of weeks? I have been there, and I really miss it, for one thing. It's been a while since I've been there, but I love it. I love the food. I love the shopping. I love the people, and it's so beautiful. It's amazing. It's clean. At one point, I was like, I, I want to move to either Montreal or Toronto. I wasn't sure, but Montreal, I just love. I think it's beautiful. Now, I've always wanted to ask you this, Sheila. When you're ever at, like, a house party, you're hanging out with friends, do they ever ask you to, like, whip out the pots and pans and go at it because of how talented you are on the drums? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I bring my own, that's why. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And just before I let you go, I had a quick, uh, I wanted to kind of do this uh, Sheila E. Fast Five. Which artist or musician would you love to collaborate with that's kind of out in the ether right now? Um, I've, uh, Bruno Mars and I have talked years ago that we would do something, and uh, I would say Ed Sheeran. I love him. I love him. What gets uh, Sheila E. up out of bed in the morning? Oh, man. Well, first, I'd say my prayers and blessings and thanking God for waking me up, and what does he have for me today? Because I have plans, but then sometimes he has others. And, you know, just to be able to, you know, we ask people if they want to, if they want prayer to, to please go on the website. We always, our own, my only job I've ever had is to pray for people and bring people together. And so, you know, that's what we've been asking people to do is to just go on the website and just, that's my job is to pray for people. And I've always wanted to ask you this as a musician, who do you listen to like when you're either in the car or working out? Like who, who is sort of in your mind right now that's a, that's a talented musician or artist that you just love listening to? This morning I was listening to uh, Jaco Pastore, um, Weather Report. Uh, I listened today. I've been listening to a lot of jazz, but I'm actually in the studio right now recording. So I'm finishing up music. But when I went to run an errand, you know, it's just it just depends on my mood. If I'm working out, it's really up tempo, high energy music. And if I want to chill out, you know, uh, spa music, like just taking a moment and sometimes classical, it just depends. And, you know, with all the things looking back over your career, obviously you've accomplished so many things. What do you, in your mind, not that you probably sit here thinking about this all the time, but is there something specific that you want to be remembered for? Hopefully just blessing someone and changing someone's life. That's amazing. And for your Montreal fans who are super excited to have you here in the next couple of weeks, what can you tell us? 
I miss you. I love you. Please come and hang out and come to the show because if you miss it, you're going to hear about it and you'll be very upset. It's life-changing. It's fun, exciting. It's uh, a lot of energy. And I request the audience to participate in things that I ask them to do. Oh, that's amazing. Sheila, honestly, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I've looked up to you since I was a kid and just it's just so great to have you on. So thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing because we love following you. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. That's legendary percussionist, singer, songwriter, and author Sheila E. Make sure to follow her, SheilaE.com. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Time for a look at some new music. member Normani has released a new song called Motivation and she is getting a lot of support not only for the song but also for the music video. She is definitely giving Beyonce a run for her money with her dance moves and of course Normani has been very busy over the last while. First of all she and Khalid did their collaboration Love Lies and then she hung out with Sam Smith with Dancing with a Stranger. Both songs doing extremely well and this one is definitely headed in the same direction. And you know what? Not that she needs it but this song gives her an extra boost because it was co-written by Ariana Grande. Voice coach Blake Shelton has just released a new collaboration, this time with one of his country bros, Trace Atkins. The song is called Hell Right, and you can totally picture him singing this in a huge arena filled with people singing the lyrics right back to him. Now this song, by the way, has already caused some controversy. There's a line where he makes reference to the Little Nas X song, Old Town Road, and some people think he was taking a shot at the rapper, but Blake says it was all in good fun, and that Billy Ray Cyrus, who of course features on the song with Little Nas X, thought the line was funny. Blake, by the way, is going to be back on the upcoming season of The Voice with his real-life girlfriend Gwen Stefani and other coaches Kelly Clarkson and John Legend. A big shout out to Miley Cyrus for releasing this song. It's called Slide Away, and a lot of people believe it's about the breakup of her marriage with actor Liam Hemsworth. Now, of course, Miley isn't confirming anything, but if you take a close look at those lyrics, they seem pretty specific to her life. Now, on top of that, the melody is super catchy, so this song is going to be with you all day long, and a lot of people are actually comparing it to Wrecking Ball. It's kind of like her Wrecking Ball Part 2. And Miley, by the way, has a huge performance coming up. She's going to be at the iHeartRadio Music Festival in Las Vegas. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Keep in mind that you can subscribe to our program on major podcast platforms like Apple, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. Joining us on the show now is Toronto-based media executive Karen Steele, who is currently the program director of Toronto's Virgin Radio, a station under the Bell Media umbrella. Karen, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to bring you back a little bit. How did you get bit by the radio bug? Oh, boy. Well, uh, 
Yeah, I had no intention of going in radio <laughs> at all. I, uh, I went to school for radio, tele- television, and film. And, um, and I, I really loved the TV and film side of things. And radio was a lot of fun as well. You have to do just about everything, right? And so that, that part of being able to take on just everything and getting almost like a sample menu of, of things to try was one of the reasons why I liked radio, uh, because of the immediacy of it. Um, and I just thought it was a lot more fun at the time. So it was 30 years ago, and I thought that that's going to be what I need right now. Um, so I had a teacher at broadcasting, and she was my radio lab te- teacher, and she just, she'd heard my voice, and, and she says, you have to go to 97.7 Hits FM and meet my, uh, my program director, Eric Samuels and uh, and uh, you'll have to get into radio. And I thought, okay, you know what? I need an internship, so let's do this. And that's how it all started. Awesome. And did you want to be on air or was it always going to be promotions? Uh, oh, God, no. No, it was... Uh I really just wanted to be a director and <laughs> ended up to be, hey, I should be a producer. And then it was... Um, you know what, I'll give this TV, I was on TV for a while, just in the local community channel. Um, I liked that. I liked doing some things on air. I did entertainment news for a very long time. Um, But I didn't, uh, I had a few on air shows. And then I thought, you know what, no, this is not my thing. Okay. And uh, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I knew that there was people that could do it way better than I could. So. And when you were in the internship, because I'm sure they had you doing everything. uh, Was it an easy sort of gravitation towards staying in promotions? I, that's a great question. And yeah, it was, because I think at that time, your uh, your foot in the door, and it is to some you know d- degree today, is you're the you know, quote-unquote cruiser girl, right? Yeah, it's and true. You, <laughs> and you do it voluntarily. It's You do not get paid. You know, you put on the station-branded T-shirt, put on some shorts, get out there in front of a rock crowd, and, uh, you know, make some hot dogs, give away some pop, and put a smile on your face, and put up with a ton of abuse from <laughs> <laughs> At the true. time, they were a little sexist and still would be considered that today. Um, but it was also very, um, it was a very fun experience because the uh, the team at 97.7 Hits FM was just this great team that, um, that kind of pushed all boundaries and it was legendary for doing so and to be a part of that was uh, it felt like an honor at the time and I was so proud to go in through you know what they call the White House of Rock and St. Catharines because I felt like I was a part of a part of history so yes we started in um, I started in promotions and then you just evolve because it's like what next mm-hmm. what can I do now so production traffic you know reception producer of uh, news talk shows doing the news um becoming the promotions director, uh, the on-air part. And um, I'm trying to think, there's just about every role that you take on there. And uh, working with sales, so it gives you such a great understanding of every department by being, you know, putting you know, yourself in their shoes. It allows you to respect what they do and understand it. And then, you know, at the end, uh, I was the program director. So cruiser girl to PD within, I think, six or seven years at that time. And... Um, and it was because I fully, you know, appreciated the roles of, that everybody had in the departments and, and, uh, and wanted to work with everybody in a way that, uh, you know, I hope was great at the time. So, yeah. Before we talk about your role as a program director, I did want to ask you, too, being in promotions, is it challenging to stay creative and fresh? Because I'm assuming let's just use Halloween as an example. Like every time Halloween rolls around, is I suppose it's uh, you don't want to get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing every Halloween, for example. 
Yeah, well, I think you also have to look at things and as if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. So then some, you know, back then you know, they would have extreme Halloween parties, right? They were contest costume based and uh, and they're cash based. And, and people people used to put that kind of energy into, you know, creating a costume and and um, and making that part of their their evening and spending months to do it. So I think, you know, in each each one is a different thing to look at. Uh you don't want to reinvent the wheel, but can you look at things differently and creatively? A hundred percent. Can you say, okay, you know, this worked for us before, but what else could we be doing that, you know, is entertaining for the listeners? Uh, they'll engage with you um, and, and that it's creative and on brand, whatever that brand is, whether it's rock, whether it's pop, hot AC, you know, news talk, it has to be on brand. And it's just, you know, looking at it from a different perspective sometimes and surrounding yourself with people that are creative types as well. And, you know, having a brainstorming session and looking at things a little bit differently. So someone that's not in promo is probably one of your best people to have in a brainstorming session because they, they bring such a unique perspective that you don't see sometimes when you're that close to it. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show is Karen Steele, Program Director of Virgin Radio Toronto. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Karen L. Steele. What's the biggest difference, Karen, do you think, um, in promotions these days versus, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years ago? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, we used to get, uh, there was no email for us. There was no, you know, it was... um, if I wanted to research an artist on tour, so when I was working with rock radio, if I wanted to see where Aerosmith was, I had to actually go to um, something called Polestar and yeah. pull it out. And hopefully we had a subscription to it and then look through <laughs> and go, OK, Austin, Texas, we're going to do this. And now it's just, you know, you obviously Google everything and then, um, you know, your resources are so much um stronger than what we had back then. But I think that, you know, also in this time starved room and, and or sorry, world and everything that we're doing where we're not just one uh we don't wear one hat anymore. We yeah. have a lot of hats. So I think that um sometimes if you become a little bit time starved, you do what was the easiest route when you shouldn't necessarily do that. But uh I think I had more time to creatively come up with concepts 30 years ago okay. uh, because I wasn't distracted with so much so many things that can take my eyes off the prize from a you know from from technology um, and and it was different I mean I was innocent and young and and uh, we, and we were constantly trying f- to find ways to push boundaries and to to be that legendary radio station and now you know that was a diary world and and we're looking at everything from uh, with a PPM lens um, in the major markets and you're told so many things from when it comes into where it is now and the the, the listening habits of of people and the attention span and and how much time and energy you can put into something and and creating um a you know tuning appointments so i think you can look at one thing is is it this this going to get someone interested in the radio station from a brand perspective it's a, a brand building promotion um is this someone uh is this something that someone can um you know, listen to and, and be aspirational about and want to have the experience and will they engage? And then, you know, um, and I, do, will this get someone to, to listen longer? So those are basically the three things and how you tackle how you want to, um, to, to roll out a promotion. And in this era of Me Too and being politically correct and all that kind of stuff, do you find that it's more challenging to kind of, you know, push the boundaries without pushing the boundaries too much? Or like, how is that affecting anything? I think we've swung so far in the opposite direction that I think it's now just starting to come back. Like, I think that we've, you know, 
you watch everything you say or do because you're worried about the end user and how they will construe the messaging. So I think that as long as you're respectful and as long as you're, you know, you come at it from a, a creative point of view that isn't offending you know, anyone. And I really don't know, because I think there's basically someone will find offense to something. So you can't live in a bubble that way. But can you be respectful? Can you be on brand? Can you be, you know, true to your demographic and audience? Yes, you just have to be, you know, mindful of, you know, the world we're living in, and, uh, and create accordingly. Uh, as you were coming up through the ranks of radio, were you ever concerned that you were going to hit a glass ceiling because it is a male-dominated industry? See, I never really looked at myself like that, though. Okay. That's, the, that's for me. I just always thought, I'll be great at what I do. I'll work hard. Um, I never thought, wow, I have to work harder than any man to get noticed. Um, did I sit and go, wow, it would be nice to get a seat at the table when all the guys would go, you know, for the Christmas dinners or they're all male PDs. And I mean, listen, there was a time where very few women would have been in a program director position. And I just I was more um, I just was more disappointed than I was on being held back because I knew I could kick whatever door open, whoever was holding it. Yeah, I would still find a way to kick on through that, uh, not based on gender, but based on, you know, the work that I could do, uh, the experience, the creativity, you know, the determination, the passion and the talent. So uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate, though, as well. I don't want to I don't want to discount anything I've done in the past, but I also believe that I, I was really fortunate to start at 97.7 Hits FM, and when you start there, it kind of gives, you, you get a bit of credibility to your name if you can live up to all of the, you know, all of the creativity and the um, irreverence that was that radio station. And I worked 80, 90 hour work weeks. Is that great for your health? <laughs> Probably not. But then you just did it, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and um, because of that, I just kept going up the ladder. And it wasn't that I'm going to end up doing this. It was just like I just kept working and people just kept putting me in positions, which is not a great career path for someone to just keep uh, ending up in positions that people keep presenting to you. Um, but it worked for me. Okay. Um, I, and I think that I've just been able to, to um, network with so many great people in this industry and have so many um, um I've surrounded myself with so many great people or I've been surrounded by so many great people that I've been fortunate to know these people that have been in positions to say, hey, Karen, what about this? Um, you know, I've only been asked once about, you know, we need a woman in a strong management position for something. And that, that offended me. Yeah, because sure. I, I wanted to be the right person. Or I was not interested in the position. Um, so do I think it's challenging, you know, 30 years ago for for um, females in this industry? Of course it was. Um, and I think there's new challenges now, right? I, like, and I think um, I just never concentrated on it. I mm -hmm. just did the best job that I could. And that's how I looked at it. What's the most challenging and most rewarding uh, part about being a program director for most you? challenging? Um... I'm trying to think of what would be the most challenging. I think it's, you know, um, as you go through the industry, and I've been, this is my, going into my 30th year, you, especially with a, a pop music radio station, you're just like, how do you keep yourself relevant? How do you keep yourself plugged into absolutely everything? How do you um, continue to create at a level that um, engages the audience? And in the only, it's quite easy, you know, 
A, keep yourself on top of everything. B, you're bringing so much experience to it that you have the, that level of experience that can, uh, you know, sustain all of the other shortcomings that you surround yourself again with people that are, you know, either in the demographic or um, or even some of the um, the interns that we have right now. They're not radio people yet. So they, they come in with the, you know, the the lens of a listener. And so I, uh, I tap into their brains all the time to find out, you know, what, what is relevant? What do they like to hear? Uh, what do they want to win? You know, how do they want to be entertained? How long are they engaging with radio? So if, I think if you keep yourself um, constantly um, aware that everything is evolving and your competition isn't radio, <laughs> then yeah. it's absolutely everything else for um, listeners' time and energy and attention. Um, that that can be challenging if if you don't do that. And rewarding, it's um, the the people that you get to work with. I've been in a situation in the last twelve months that I've worked with so many great talent. Um, with a couple of radio stations, but with Virgin Radio Toronto specifically, um, we did a really daring move where we looked at it as an opportunity to future-proof the radio station in a way that would have us, um, our talent performing on all platforms that we need to be and where our audience is. And, uh, you know, to build a morning show that have never been together, uh, ever. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's only seven months old and if, have, in that short amount of time, resonated with so many people and they're having so much fun and there's like, what can we do next? Karen, what do what, you know, we want to do this. Can we do it? Of course you can. Like, it's, it's to be able to work with re- really creative and fun talent and support team that want to win, want to be there there and keep thinking what next that I find rewarding managing on-air talent is it an ever-evolving science or do you think because of the years you've already spent as a PD like you kind of have it down it's just the different characters oh I'll never have it down okay (laughs) no 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 because you know what I, I get taught so much from all of the people that I get to to work with um you know, someone I worked with 10 years ago who I work with now is a very different talent than they were 10 years ago. And I'm a very different program director than I was 10 years ago. So um, I, I'm constantly learning and I learn it through, uh, I can get coached myself, um, but also just as the industry changes, your 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 perspective to how you, you need to present your team and how your team um, present their content is ever evolving. So uh, no, it's constantly changing. And I think that's one one thing that keeps me excited to, to still be in radio is mm-hmm. that if I if I became complacent and was like, this worked in 1999, <laughs> gotta work today, it doesn't. Millennials are very different than the generation, you know, the before and after. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the way they like to be managed is very different. And, you know, uh, in, you have to kind of get into their world. They're, they don't need to figure out your world. You need to figure out their world mm-hmm. um, and uh, and be able to coach to them and, and, and work with them. And current radio climate, because, you know, it seems like both obviously both you and I work in radio and and it seems like anytime I tell someone I'm in radio right away, they're like, oh, my God, it's a dying situation (laughs) and like all that stuff. And I just fear mongering all the time. What's your take on the current climate? And do you think like obviously I think we're still relevant and I think we have a long way to go. So. Yeah, that's so disappointing to hear, and but that's been going on for thirty years. Yeah, right? it was going to yeah. be TV. It was going to be you know like yeah. all of the things over time. Spotify, um, 
that was going to take over radio. Uh, audio has never been more par- important in, in people's lives as it is today. I'm listening to podcasts right now. I mean, I like the connection um, to the host. I like the, it's, it's interesting if you have Spotify on and you have your own playlist and whether you've curated your own playlist or whether you've chosen a curated playlist, um, that fills the void, I guess, of what you need from, you know, in that moment musically. That being said, then people go, okay, what's happening in my world? You know, I need to be connected with what's happening in my city, what's happening in in the day-to-day and, and someone that's going to talk to me. And that that's not happening there. It's happening, it's obviously in radio. Um, it's, it's one of the per- most personal relationships that a consumer can have, um, you know, with the media is, is that individual who's talking to them and making them feel like um, they've got the, the best company in the car possible. You know, someone who's going to keep them... Um, uh, just keep them company in the car or just uh, entertained, informed, engaged. And, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, like with our with our morning team, what I love every day is the fact that I go, well, I had no idea. <laughs> and I like to think that I've at least researched a lot and that, oh, I, you know, and it's so random. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things I called, you know, I call a, um, um, a conversation currency because I can take something from that and have that conversation later in the day and it continues that conversation back to not only that morning show but the radio station in a way that you know associates a memory mm-hmm. with that experience. And looking over your career obviously you've got miles to go but what is the thing that sticks out to you that you're most proud of so far in Karen Steele's pro- a career? Oof. Proud of. Um I would, hmm, I've done, I've done various things. Um, wow, this is one of those things that maybe sh- someone should dirt journal on ahead of time, huh? It's like, Karen's dear, proudest moments. Um, I think it's honestly just watching some of the the people, whether it's support team people or people I've worked with over the years. Uh, you know, there's people that I report to that used to report to me that I find mind blowing. But at the same time, I'm so proud because they've done so well for themselves. And uh, and you think about that person at the time, and you go, yeah. Of course, that person was going to be this um, from a from a talent perspective. Like I got to work with Rosamoka. I loved working with Rosamoka. They're, you know, they were an absolutely uh, great team. I love the current team I get to work with. Uh, I love that two of them I worked with at another radio station mm-hmm. and I get to work with them again in a whole different way. So instead of a drive in a midday, it's now creating this morning show that, uh, you know, we're we're. I don't want to say redefining, but definitely looking at things differently for mornings in Toronto. And I find that exciting. Awesome. So. Well, thank you so much for this. I'm so happy to finally have you on my show. So thank you. Oh, thank you for uh, for waiting for me and letting me be a part of your show. That is, uh, again, Program Director of Virgin Radio Toronto, Karen Steele. And you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Karen L. Steele. The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And a big thank you as well to our guests, Sheila E. and Karen Steele. My thanks, of course, to our super producer, Adam Bresol, for pushing all the right buttons. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon.